Hey, what's going on, family? It is Elijah. Welcome back to Scales of Justice. Um, it's such an honor and a privilege to be with you all again. Make sure you stop what you're doing and follow our Instagram page in conjunction with the Audubon Office of Social Justice and Activism, Audubon S J and A. Um, today is a special episode. You know, as you can see by the title, Environmental Justice: A Conversation with Shania Turner. Um, we are here with Shania Turner. Shania Turner is a senior here at Audubon University, majoring in Zoo and Conservation Science. She serves as the president of the African American Student Union and is a all-around heavy involved student um actually in one of my classes today they were talking about shania and the great community service that you do and so um it's just great to have you how are you doing today i'm doing pretty well i feel like i've been boosted up the minute i walked in here honestly (laughs) how are you I'm, i'm i'm doing well i'm doing well i'm so excited for our conversation today um for our listeners as you know this the goal of this show is to bring to you the different scales of justice um, because it doesn't just apply to just one particular area, but it is expansive. It applies to a wide array of subjects and conversations. And this is one of the conversations that needs to happen um, surrounding our environment and, you know, some of the things that are going on. So basically, number one, um, what is environmental justice? If you could just, I don't think there's a way to easily explain it, but if you could attempt to, what would that look like? (laughs) So, like you said, environmental justice is like really complex, but how I define it is making sure that minorities are treated fairly in terms of environmental crises. Um, So making sure they're not living next to hazardous waste land sites. Um, They're not overly exposed to pollution. And especially they get to have their voices heard and recognized basically in law and regulations in terms of environmental stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so how did you get involved with that um, spear? You know, what part sparked Lord have mercy? What sparked your interest in um, environmental justice? So I'm originally from a really small farming town um, called Kenton, Ohio. Okay. Really small, very much the polar opposite of Columbus, Ohio. Um, And I got to be outside all day and night. Yeah. We were running around. We fished. We hunted. Um, My closest friend were animals, and that's partly why I'm a zoo and conservation science major. Mm -hmm. So I just really love the environment. Uh, But when I moved here, when I was around 10 years old, Columbus is completely different. And I had almost like a culture shock. Mm -hmm. We had a patch of grass that was maybe two feet by six feet. Wow. That was it. It Mm. may be a tree if Mm -hmm. you were lucky. And that really was like shocking to me as like going from a farm town where I got to run around hills and swim in lakes and ponds and stuff like that every day to having nothing and not feeling a connection to nature anymore Mm. that really messed me up and as i got more into recognizing who i am as a person especially as a black biracial woman um i really was like this happens to people every day yeah that's not fair yeah yeah wow and so it was um you kind of um experienced a transition in a way um, with the environment um, and the impact it has. And you, you kind of bring up the fact of, 
your childhood um, played a vital role in that experience and why your first interaction was the way that it was. And so when you look at your childhood um, and some of the experiences you had, do you think they influenced you to take up this fight? Or um, as, you know, we kind of figured out, you know, is this just something that you that was sparked to you while you were in college? Um, it really sparked for me in college, especially because I was, I knew I immediately wanted to be a Zoom major, but I realized as I started my college career that I wanted to do more. And especially with minority work, as I came into my realization as a black woman, um, so I wanted to make sure that I was respecting that part of me, but also respecting the part of me that loves nature. Mm. And so I took a class with one of our previous professors called Terry Hermson, and it was really about connecting with nature. We would go somewhere different every week. We would read passages from like, um, I think it's called Sweet Grasses, uh, something like that. And we would go into the forest and we would just talk and listen to nature and really be in the moment. And I was like, this is what everybody should feel like. I always felt connected to nature, but the fact that people don't get that chance and are restricted from it. Yeah. Make sure that people don't want to fight for nature when they don't feel connected to it. Mm. And so what does that fight look like? So, like, I know for many movements, it's changed from um, from being um, someone brought up the point on Twitter the other day, and yes, I'm citing Twitter. <laughs> I'm not citing it as fact, but this was just an opinion, which is what Twitter is for. Um, and they cited the opinion that activism has shifted dramatically in the way that it's done. Um, and so when it comes to racial justice, we see a lot of hashtags, a lot of social media movements. For some reason, we had a whole black square thing. I mm-hmm. still don't know what that was about, but... You know, with moments like those, you know, it the activism part has shifted. Yeah. And so with environmental justice, what does the activism look like? Like, how do you carry that out? So I'm glad you bring up the black square because there are things like that in the environmental justice movement where mm-hmm. people think they're doing right um, by donating their own clothes, this, that, and the other. But in reality, it affects minorities a lot more because... Not only are they donating cheaply made projects like mm. from Forever 21 or Shein, which is really popular now, fast fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're no- donating these clothes to predominantly black spaces, basically thrift stores where uh, minorities and people with low income mm-hmm. go and buy these products. And then they buy into these trends of like, just buying useless products that end up affecting minorities in other countries, especially if they're not paid fair wages. Oh, yeah. So I say not to jump into those trends that seem like they're all that and crazy and mm-hmm. wonderful. Do due diligence by educating yourself. Like the same things we do with the Black Lives Matter and Asian Lives Matter mm-hmm. situations like that. Elevate black and minority voices really do educational work and self-work on what you are actually doing and it call your representatives it is Mm, that easy to understand what the government is doing and protest that like i just did a whole project about this and it took like 500 arrests for there to be the first environmental justice movement wow 
And that was the first time they had ever, like, it was over a landfill spot. Mm -hmm. But it took over 500 arrests and six weeks of marching to, like, say this is not okay. Granted, they lost, but they finally got it to be something after people started making a fuss about it. Yeah, yeah. It takes fighting with our minority and low-income communities Mm -hmm. to actually do the work. Yeah, And, and, and in that fighting, I think you kind of um, see, I guess, a birth of, like, purpose or, you know, what you know what you can consider your mission for that moment. Um, and I think a lot of people can kind of relate to that, you know. And, and you, talk, you talked earlier about how, you know, growing up and then having that culture shock coming to the city, you know, um, I agree. Like, the city, we do kind of carry um, the environment in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people see um, the environment as beauty and mm-hmm. amazingness and nature. Most people, when they see a piece of land, think property and income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I guess you don't really notice it until someone points it out to you, you know. And so with this... With this fight, you know, you um, hosted a program earlier this year here at Ottermine, mm-hmm. um, Planet Earth, yeah. right? Tell us a little bit about that. So Planet Earth is uh, under our Ottermine's Center for Community and Engagement, and it's basically a way for students to get involved in the environmental talk here on campus and in the greater Westerville area. Technically, through my grant from the Van Sant Leadership Program, mm-hmm. I got money to do work on environmental justice, and mm-hmm. that's our theme this year. So we had a teach-in for the planet where we had uh, not only my other organization, the African American Student Union, come talk, the Muslim Student Association come talk. We had Terry Hermsen sing us a song, and the African American Student Union also had people make pledges on how they wanted to be better environmental justice advocates. Mm-hmm. So it was just a time for everybody to come together and talk to each other and have conversations and get to know each other because I wanted to invite minority student organizations so they could be included in the conversation. Yeah. Especially when they aren't usually. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that you there's an overlap of all the things because that's what Scales of Justice, that's our goal here is to show that these are not all separate missions that don't have any type of interconnectedness or connectivity. These are missions where we want to see the betterment of the planet and the connections between humans. And one of the ways that we can do that is with an understanding and 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 conversation regarding these subjects. And so with this event that you had, you talked about some of the pledges. You know, what were some, if you could think about any, you know, that kind of stood out to you? Um, I remember someone writing on there that they wanted to lift black and brown voices. I remember someone pledged to really connect with nature and especially the land they are mm-hmm. there on. We also had a indigenous person come speak and talked about acknowledging the land we are on because mm-hmm. this land is not anybody that's really currently here unless you're indigenous. Yeah. Like, that is a really big, important thing because we came here and we stole this land. Mm-hmm. And then some of us were brought here against yeah. our will. So how are we going to feel reconnected to land that has been bought, stolen, and then 
forced upon. Right. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I've noticed, um, as many of you all may or may not know, I'm going into, um, my hope is to go into a student affairs, student affairs career path. And one of the podcasts that I listen to, Student Affairs Now and NASPA recently, um, they've made it an intention to recognize the lands that they're on, you know, because it's kind of like, like you said, coming into a land that was stolen, then sold by the people who stole it, mm-hmm. and then sold to the people who sold its sons and daughters. And then it was, it's just this weird cycle that we've gone into. And the acknowledgement is, I don't want to say it, but it's the bare minimum, oh, yeah. honestly. And that plays into, in my opinion, I could be wrong here, environmental justice in acknowledging what's happening, being aware of the environment, being aware of the impact um, that it's making and the conversations that are happening because of the choices we're doing. And so, it, you know, from your point of view, do you feel like uh, most people are aware of the impact of it or are they aware of it but they don't know where to point the finger for example or where it's coming from i think it's honestly a little bit of both like as we've seen with the black lives matter movement people don't know Mm -hmm. and it takes something really tragic to happen to be basically oh oh no this is a problem Mm -hmm. and then some people know but then they don't want to step on people's toes which i think is great it's great not to want to step over black and brown voices because as a white person, you have to have that accountability. Mm-hmm. But you have to educate yourself. It yeah. starts first and foremost education because when other people become edu- educated about these topics, black and brown people get to heal. Yeah. And that's the biggest part is like once we acknowledge it, once we acknowledge everything that has happened with this land, we have to heal mm-hmm. not only ourselves, but everybody and everything that's been affected. Yeah, yeah, and it go and and the thing is, um, I know that we all remember um, the COVID crisis. Mm-hmm. We're still living in it. Apparently, there's a new variant going around now. But um, in um, the first year in Louisiana, there was this thing called Death Valley. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you remember, but um, it was basically there was this factory there, and. It was pro- it was producing toxins into the area, and a lot of the people who lived there. It was in Louisiana, um, and a lot of the people who lived there were negatively impacted so much so that they, a lot of them, if I remember correctly, were catching cancer. Yeah. And so when COVID hit, it only um, doubled the impact of someone deciding to plant. A factory there and I think um, I think that this COVID crisis has only um, made worse what was already there whether that was food insecurity mm-hmm. whether that was the um, financial crisis that we saw many people living in COVID only made it worse and so what were some moments from 2020 where you were like yeah that could have been solved easily if you would have simply decided to recycle or if you would have simply made the proper moves to protect the people living there? There's almost so many at this point. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, 
like the lack of food especially is if we had grocery stores everywhere instead of forcing minorities into what we call food deserts which if people don't know Mm -hmm. that's basically when there's very few or not enough or too far away Mm -hmm. access to uh fresh food and healthy food so we have a lot of them here in columbus where row after row on every street there's a fast food place but it's like five miles down the road is a grocery store yeah 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 and 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 that that makes so then from there that's tainting the environment right now you're tainting the childhood of so many people because they don't know what a fresh fruit really looks like because the only time that you can really go to the store is on the first of the month mm-hmm. because there's an income insecurity. Right. And so it just doubles and doubles and doubles and the issue becomes bigger and bigger. And I just want to go back and um, correct myself. It was called, it was used to be called Cancer Alley. It's now mm-hmm. called Coronavirus Alley. Um, it's an 85 mile stretch. Um, and. The EPA in 2014 said that this area was where the risk of getting cancer from air pollution is 95% higher than most Americans. In this one strip along the Mississippi River in the southeast of Louisiana. And the thing is, they knew. Because the data that I just read was from 2014. So in 2014, they were aware of the... um, the, they were aware of the problems that existed, mm-hmm. but they chose not to do something about it. And what we're saying today, and what I hope most of you are understanding, is the problem will continue to exist unless we make the change, unless we make the adjustments, unless we simply say, hey, let's come together and plant community gardens in our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, let's come together and let's figure out how we can connect community partners to do initiatives on the importance of, um, because it goes way beyond turning off your water while you brush your teeth. That's one way to do it. And I think, unfortunately, it was um, kind of played off when we were younger and you would see the Disney Channel commercials with the Jonas Brothers Mm -hmm. talk about reduce, reuse, recycle. And now it's like we're getting older and like, whatever. But they were really trying to get us to see the big picture yeah and so now um and so now i guess you know there are some initiatives going on but shania you know what type of initiatives should we all be aware of regarding environmental justice so i think and like i said it's about education so wherever you go to school Mm -hmm. there's always a program we have an entire like environmental program here at audubon sustainability minors, which is what I have, Um, like education first and foremost, but also look at your community. There's tons of places, especially in Westerville, for how privileged an area we are. We have tons of things. We have composting organizations. We have grassroots organizations that are trying to fight this good fight. We have black farmer-like alliances. Figure out what's in your community and go from there. Figure out how your community is lacking or how you can better benefit and then put your efforts into making sure that members in your community feel seen, feel safe, and feel like their voices are heard. Yeah, yeah. 
wow, and make and, and that's the thing with most um, justice initiatives. Mm-hmm. It's just to make sure the people feel heard mm-hmm. and make sure that their point of views and their perspectives are being understood and um, appreciated. Right. You know, and I think that we are starting to make some progress um, when it comes to our inner city neighborhoods. Um, And I know we always talk about the negatives and the downside of COVID, but one of the things that it really showed was the many areas in which we lack. Mm -hmm. You know, we always scream around, we are the greatest nation, you know, which is fine. You can scream that. But there are also a lot of things that don't make us so great. And there are a lot of things where we need help and we need to come together and figure out how to work on the problem. But as you said earlier, it begins with research. And so um, when someone is new to the topic, um, are there any sources you would recommend to them to look out for to help understand the environmental justice fight better or... So when I was doing my research, the first thing I really looked at was Flip, Michigan, mm. because that is so iconic in our history. Like yeah. It's been going on. Yeah. And that is where a very good example of environmental racism mm. and them trying to obtain justice. Yeah. In the history behind that, in the history of the residents that are just now this year and this past year getting new pipes for their buildings they're just now getting that and just I found now this on the web <laughs> just now striving to get their lives back together and how they still don't have trust in their government that is a prime example to really wake yourself up yeah man i i think back i think the craziest part was that in 2020 it was like Breaking news, Flint still does not have clean water. And was, I remember hearing about that in middle school. Just some perspective. Me and Shania are both about to graduate college. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that issue still persists and it still impacts all of those individuals since it became public, that's the thing. It was happening mm-hmm. for years before the public knew. And once the public knew, it was like, hey, we need water bottles. Why are we giving water bottles instead of a fixing the problem? Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately, what I think we see now so often is a temporary fix to a problem that has gone beyond a temporary solution. You know, this is something that you have to strategize about. You have to go into the trenches and go and figure out what exactly are the best steps to make the most impact for those people. And one of the ways, as Shania says, is with educating and figuring it out and beginning the conversation. And so if you were talking to anyone um, around your age or younger, mm-hmm. um, what would you say to them or older too, you know? Um, what would you say to them that could encourage them to, you know, get started in this? I would say look at the people around you and think about how they feel connected to the grass beneath your feet, that squirrel that walks on the sidewalk, the birds that fly in the sky. And if you feel a connection to that and want to make sure that all those things are preserved, think about the people that 
don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't have the option to care that have never felt a love for another animal or felt like they be- even belonged on the earth because of what they've been through or how their history might look, look and the trauma they have associated with the land. Just think about that and then think about your privilege and then do the dil- dil- due diligence of research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and from there, I, I'll jump in and say, then figure out who among you. Because the thing is, when it comes to an issue, someone else is going to see that there's a problem. Yeah. Like, we see this all the time. Someone else is going to agree, hey, you know, now that you bring that up, I do notice that the water tastes terrible right. at 2 a.m., but it tastes different at 1 a.m. Like, mm, now that you bring that up, that squirrel doesn't come by anymore. You know, there's always someone around you who's interested and, and, and who wants some perspective and more information, they just don't oftentimes have an outlet. Mm-hmm. And you can be the outlet for that person, and you can be the way that they begin to see change in their neighborhood, see change in their immediate community, um, and create the impact. You know, one of the things that I've learned um, uh, is that you have a sphere of influence immediately, whether you realize it or not, whether you're aware of it or not. There are people around you who are watching you and learning from you, and you can give them information and guidance to help them see, oh, shoot, this is an actual problem, right. you know, and this is something that I hate to say it, but you can start with simple steps. Mm-hmm. Um, Planet Earth was a great event, you know, and you could begin a conversation there and then you could continue to grow into it and continue to let it flourish and grow to where you now have a movement of people who are working together to make sure that this issue does not exist with the next generation. Right. And yeah. (laughs) Anything else you want to add, Shania? We're always in need of black and brown STEM majors so Mm. if that's someone's passion out there or Mm. they don't know what they want to do with their life start now start researching see what clips some part of it might interest you Mm -hmm. and see what you can do yeah 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 I'd encourage you to do the same because people can only relate to something that they've experienced right and as a black brown individual there are certain things that we've experienced and unfortunately seen that some people just may not relate with or they've just never seen in their life. And so I know for me coming from the deep, deep east side of Columbus mm-hmm. and coming up to Westerville oh, yeah. um, is a huge difference in perspective and also the way that they care about the places that they live. You know, I always see trash on james road mm-hmm. always see trash but on on uh state street no. oh. <laughs> they would never let it happen so now it's like okay i've seen this i've seen the difference what does that do yeah. you know and so now what is my role in making it happen and so shania i want to thank you for your time today um i appreciate you for helping out the conversation and offering insight and wisdom to to the individuals who can, you know, see this and be like, I don't know 
what this looks like. I don't know what is, you know, what it is, or I don't know my role in it all, you know? And the thing is today, and with all the conversations we're going to have on this show, we all have a role to play. So Shania, where can people find you to keep up with you? And um, yeah. So my email is turner4 at otterbine.edu. Feel free to email me. Um, AASU and Planet Earth are open to everybody and anybody that wants to come and listen. We also are trying to do collab meetings and have other events where they intersect. Um, my Instagram is life is an abundance of things. Um, I'm around campus all day, all night. <laughs> Elijah will probably tell you where I'm at at all times of day because <laughs> the green hair is hard to miss, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course, I appreciate you for coming to sit down, um, and again offering that important nuggets of information for us. Um, so I hope you all have enjoyed today's show, um, and that you learned something different than what you knew before, and that this offered some important perspective for you in your new stages as you continue to explore and figure out okay how do i become active how do i make sure that the world looks better in 10 years than it does right now and environmental justice and working to um bring it down from where it is is a wonderful and beautiful way to do it um once again my name is elijah i'm here with shania turner This has been Scales of Justice, a conversation on environmental justice with Shania Turner. I hope to see you all again. Me and James will both be back for for another episode. Make sure you stay tuned. All right. Peace.